It is past 11 a.m., which means it's time to start another exciting, interesting, intellectually stimulating, nourishing, hilarious, comedic, I'm run out of adjectives to say, Bitmart AMA. And our guest today is going to be Andrew Antar, if I'm correct, from Tune.fm. So we're excited to talk to him today. Um, but before we talk to him, I got a little bit of housekeeping to clean up. Of course, if you've listened to these AMAs in the past, you know that we do giveaways with them. Sometimes the projects are generous, sometimes it's Bitmart that's generous, but there's always an extra added value to listening into these AMAs. You get the information before other people, you get to hear the stories behind the projects, and you get to kind of put a face, metaphorically, uh, even though it's audio, to you know computer code, projects, transaction speed, what have you, so that you know that there's an actual person and team behind this project. And for this AMA, we are going to be talking to Tune.fm, and their token is JAM. So we are going to be giving away $1,000 worth of JAM, which you're probably going to want after you hear this convo. That's the way it works with AMAs. I don't think I've done an AMA yet where we start off saying we're going to give it away, and people said, nope. Not for me. I don't think it's ever happened. So um, all you have to do if you want to try and get $1,000 worth of that jam is pretty simple procedure. Go and find the tweet. should be the pinned tweet at the top of our uh, Twitter account at Bitmart Exchange. Retweet where you found this link to the space. Tag three friends. Go and follow Tune.fm's official Twitter account, which is at TuneFMOfficial. Take a screenshot and complete the Google form that we have attached, and you will be in the runnings to win some of those jam tokens. As Bob Marley would say, we be jamming. Did he say that? I'm pretty sure he said that. So, uh, and uh, to wrap up our housekeeping, I'm not the only one that can ask questions today on this AMA, of course. It's called an AMA. And our hashtag for this AMA is, gosh, I wrote it myself and I lost it. It's hashtag Bitmart Jam. That's so easy. Of course it is. Hashtag Bitmart Jam. Couldn't remember if it was that or FM. So it is hashtag Bitmart J-A-M. And without further ado, Andrew, are you there? Hey, how's it going? Hey, glad that you could get through my rambling uh, long intro. We've it's kind of been a hectic morning, but I'm just glad that you're you're here with us. Absolutely, happy to be here. <sighs> oh gosh, so uh, your project is really interesting because in the you know limited amount of research that I'm able to do before these AMAs, um, it immediately reminded me of oh, it's like Spotify but it's actually a little bit better because it's on the blockchain and it's auditable and it has its own token. Before you answer that question, (laughs) um, (laughs) those are just my first initial impressions. I guess our our natural segue uh, for this AMA would be, you know, please tell us, tell us what tune.fm is, maybe, you know, your idea or how you came up with it. And um, does it was my were my initial impressions correct? Is it like an auditable, better Spotify where you can you know tokenize royalties and and look at them? And please go on as long as you need to. Sure. Yeah. Actually, uh, a simple way to explain it is sort of like Web three Spotify or a decentralized music streaming platform. And in addition, we're launching a music NFT marketplace, or you can think of it as OpenSea for music. And essentially, we are tokenizing royalties from music streaming using micropayments, which is the reason that we built on Hedera Hashgraph, which is the fastest, most secure, and lowest fee distributed ledger technology out there. And essentially, we are the first and have been for about a year the only publicly traded 
Hedera token service token until about a few weeks ago. Another one joined us, Galaxy. But uh, we've been out there uh, for almost a year um, and basically now on about a dozen exchanges, including the uh, very fantastic BitMart. And um, we have the JAM token, which is the underlying currency, which denominates everything on the ecosystem of TuneFM. So all of uh, the music streams that happen um, are paid out in micropayments using the JAM token. So when the music gets played, the artist gets paid for every second that their music streamed. And also with the upcoming NFT music marketplace, everything is bought, sold, and traded in JAM. And there's many ways to get rewarded in JAM uh, as incentives, not just signing up, but also referring people, uploading music, and artists can use JAM to promote their music. So we have a play-to-earn model where you can listen to promoted music and earn JAM. And then there's many different ways you can get rewarded in JAM with reviews and playlists and other things. So we're really creating an incentive-based ecosystem model in which artists and fans can interact directly with each other and reward each other with the JAM token and then collect NFTs directly from artists and get access to exclusive experiences, whether that be unreleased content, backstage passes, VIP uh, meetups, and all the above. When the music gets played, the artist gets paid tell me the truth andrew did you come up with that or did somebody else come up with that (laughs) so in one of my many thousands of like pitches to different people i just said that once and i was like oh that rhymes and then it just became our tagline as a marketing person myself i was like man that is brilliant i would easily pay a thousand dollars to whoever came up with that because that is just stuck in my mind um so bravo on that something i wanted to ask you about was You know, even uh, me being in the crypto space for so long, uh, there's just so many new projects that come out on like, you know, a daily or weekly basis that it's hard to stay up to date with the latest innovations. And when you were talking about being built on the Hedera uh, blockchain, I was looking that up and being like, Hedera, why have I never heard of this? And it's because there's so much stuff that's competing with um, Ethereum and other kind of decentralized app networks that... You know, my, my latest AMA on, on Tuesday was with a project uh, called Everscale, which is blowing Solana out of the water and seems slightly like a competitor to Hedera, but I think actually uh, not. From what I understand of Hedera, it's almost like Cardano and that it was developed by like mathematicians and, and academics. So could you maybe explain, um, and maybe it's because of the microtransactions or maybe it was because it, it's an innovative platform, but could you maybe explain why you chose Hedera over maybe like a, a you know, a, a classical ERC-20 or an ERC-20 competitor and what your experience has been on, like on that so far? Absolutely. Um, so I get this question all the time, um, but we really didn't have any other choice because Hedera was the only layer one DLT, and I say DLT, not blockchain, because it's actually a DAG, uh, which is a directed acyclical graph, um, that was able to meet the use case for micropayments that are scalable, as well as native tokens. Um, So we have a layer one native token, and our NFTs are native, so they're not based on smart contracts. So an ERC-20 is a smart contract protocol. And I would venture to say that while smart contract tokens are probably the killer app for smart contracts and the biggest use case, it's a very inefficient way to do tokens. Smart contracts have a bunch of other great uses, uh, whether it's DeFi or other applications. But if it's just to run a token, uh, there's protocol layer one ways to do that that are way more scalable. So. A lot of ERC-20 projects are actually not scalable, and in many cases, that token won't work at scale to do what they want to do, depending on what they want to do. But if we're talking about a consumer dApp, where you have potentially millions of users concurrently using the token, uh, ERC-20 is not going to work for you. I mean, transferring an ERC-20 token can take hours and cost 30 to $50. So that's like worse than fiat in many cases. Well, in, in all cases, fiat's 
you know, takes a few seconds and they do visa does 70,000 transactions per second. And it's 3% plus 30 cents. Whereas with Hedera, it's a, it's a thousandth of a penny to transfer a token. It happens in a few seconds. You have full finality of consensus. It's the only DLT that meets the highest BFT standard of asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerance, which is ABFT. So the highest level security. And it's also rated at over 10,000 transactions per second, but in reality, it's over 100,000 transactions per second, and I've seen it stress-tested at over a million transactions per second, and that's per shard, so it's infinitely scalable. And as you add more nodes and more traffic, it actually gets cheaper and faster over time. So it sort of works the opposite way uh, that a blockchain works in terms of scalability. And so that was super important to us. And it's not like it's an unknown, unheard of, unproven, untested uh, layer one. It's actually a top 30 token between 10 and $20 billion market cap. And it's trusted by some of the largest corporations in the world. And so our choice after we vetted it uh, was validated by some of the top mathematicians and scientists and businesses in the world. Including and so it's not only just somebody uh, signed on to it, but it's funded at the order of over ten million dollars each, and used and owned through the governance council by Google, IBM, Boeing, LG, and thirty-nine of the top Fortune one hundred corporations in the world, and that forms the governing council, which is also unique to Hedera, where they actually have distributed governance. So it's decentralized not only by region, by market, by market cap, and all these different corporations. There's almost like a democratic structure to how they govern the network. So they have three-year terms. They can do two terms the way they vote on things. And they've already done a lot of things like open source all the, the algorithms for consensus. Um, they've upgraded the network, uh, different um, – they call them HIPs, Hedera Improvement Proposals. Um, in which uh, new code that's written in open source and used to upgrade the network. For example, how they've made NFTs like multimedia and able to support things like what we're going to do. And so in addition to that, there's over 2 billion transactions already, which is more than Ethereum and Bitcoin combined. So if you've heard of Ethereum and Bitcoin, which I assume everyone has, um, Hedera has blown past that months ago. And that's real-world use transactions, real companies, real people. And so uh, while uh, you know, there's a lot of hype with things like Solana and others or Cardano, it really has nothing to do with those things. It's not like it at all. Um, it's all substance. And there is a, a sort of nice amount of hype. Uh, there's a lot of NFT projects on Hedera. There's a whole community. Um, and it's growing very rapidly and people are catching on and sort of once you go Hedera, you can't go back because once you find out the underlying uh, superiority of it, uh, everything else just uh, does not come even close to it. So I was lucky enough to stumble across Hedera uh, back in 2017 uh, before they even launched. They launched in crypto winter in 2018. Um, and um, I was able to get to know some of the founders and executives and all the original guys. And I was able to uh, research it very deeply and get to the bottom of uh, why their ma major claims were actually defensible and why it's really the only choice that we had that was suitable for the use case we're building and it's scalable and will last for the long haul. So we're building for, you know, years, 10 years down the road, 100 years down the road. We're not building for the next pump and dump. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much for doing that long explanation. I was just about to say, as kind of an old school Bitcoiner uh, myself, I like to think that I have a good pulse on what's happening in the market. But that is, Hedera is just one of the things that was either... Uh, I the, the name threw me off or it was on the fringe and it's just this is completely new information to me so and I'm willing to bet that there's a lot of people in the audience that had the exact same thing um, just happen to them so you know hey 
Tune FM, Tune FM is one thing, but Hedera, the underlying uh, thing, uh, the underlying network of Tune FM is, you know, ju- just as good, if if not even better. So I'm really glad to have had that uh, explanation. So thank you for that, Andrew. Yeah, sure. And um, the the native token of Hedera is called HBAR. And because of the way that the Hedera token system is architected, the JAM token is actually the same code as HBAR. So it has the same performance and robust qualities that HBAR has, whether it's the security, the speed, the fee structure. And so that is unlike the way ERC-20 tokens are related to Ethereum. Ethereum token or coin is different from ERC-20 tokens. ERC-20 tokens are abstracted a layer away and they're slower and more expensive. And you have to run an entire program um, in order to actually figure out the balances. So because we're a native asset, it's actually unique in the sense that it's almost like we have our own blockchain, if you will. Um, But we are running on Hedera. And something that's also unique is that the NFTs are native as well because they use the same Hedera token service. So if we have a one-of-one NFT, it's literally just as performant and cheap and robust as a JAM and HBAR. So that's something that sort of sets us apart. And we've been spearheading HTS adoption across many exchanges. So HTS is the Hedera token service. And so Every single exchange already has ERC-20 integrated, so they can just flip it on. But as far as integrating Hedera and and supporting HTS, many exchanges have to do a lot of development work. Or not a lot, it really just takes a few days. But actually do net new development to integrate. And so we've been paving the way for other HTS tokens and assets to be able to list on all these exchanges. Sure. Fascinating. Fascinating. And you, you mentioned the music NFTs and how they're they're native to Hedera. Something that I wanted to ask you about music NFTs and maybe how this is related to Tune.fm or maybe how Tune.fm is like pioneering um, the way here is that, it, it, you know, I say historically NFTs haven't really even been around more than, uh, you know, a couple of years at this point, really, especially in mainstream popularity. I would have thought that music NFTs would have really popped off. Um, and you still, I mean, you see a lot of them on OpenSea. There's like a lot of like infinite loops and things like that, or like little 8-bit stuff that people have made. But it just doesn't seem like from mainstream artists or even stuff like that, that they've really like, they, they've really reached like a popularity point. Could you maybe speak on Tune.fm about how your music NFTs are doing? Maybe what was the thought behind them? Or maybe... You know, something unique that is happening with your music NFTs that you don't see happening in the broader marketplace? Yeah, it's a good point. And, the, and there's some good reasons behind why they haven't really uh, popped off or became a major force. While everyone is speculating that music NFTs are the next big thing, you, you haven't really seen them uh, gain in popularity. And the reason is, is because they're difficult to do right. And so doing a jpeg profile picture nft um, relatively speaking is pretty simple so you're basically just attaching a picture to a token Uh, but with music um, there's a lot of things that we're doing which actually makes our music nfts um, have high utility and actually be worthwhile so a lot of the quote-unquote music nfts out there are not really um, true music NFTs, I would venture to say, in which it's just a clip of audio and sometimes an MP3 and and a picture. Um, But there's nothing that you can do with them. And so there's a bunch of unique aspects to our music NFTs that actually make them real music NFTs. So besides the fact that it's native tokens, we actually have lossless audio, and we get the master directly from the artist. So it's the real file. It's not a compressed file, and that's pinned to IPFS. Um, but then you can actually enjoy the music NFT where you buy it. So it's vertically integrated in our streaming platform, and that's unique to TuneFM. And so because it's actually in the place where you're streaming it, 
um, you can actually listen to the song along with other songs, and then you can earn royalties and micropayments in platform. So it's not like royals where they're giving you the rights to royalties that might come in from Spotify or Apple Music, which is basically a small percentage of nothing. Um, we actually pay 10 to 100 times more than Spotify, and we do that instantly with micropayments. Like I was saying before, when the music gets played, the artist gets paid. But now it could be the NFT owner gets played when the music gets played. <laughs> doesn't rhyme, but essentially – uh, the artist can sell um, – it's it's really an option for them – a percentage of the royalties on TuneFM in platform that come from the streaming of that NFT. Um, so you can show off your NFT. You, you own the master rights, a portion of the master rights, and then get, can get paid right away uh, as people stream it. And those payments are split between the artist and the owner and the NFT based on the percentage. Now – yeah. Well, I was going to say, sorry. Now that that is a very interesting concept because that it, that kind of takes me to what you're seeing in the broader overall NFT marketplace, where people are trying to buy portions of famous artwork and things like that. But of course, with art in a museum, you can't really. I suppose you could, but it'd be so it'd be so complicated. Nobody's going to do it. You can't calculate how many times people like view the Mona Lisa and then like get paid per view or whatever. But with streaming music or people listening to music that's very easily calculatable and possible and yeah so that yeah no it's, no please go on yeah the difference is that you can't just sort of give people a cut of the louvre ticket revenue uh for museum you know sales um, and there's very low utility with a picture. You can look at it for a few seconds and that's it. So it really just becomes like bragging rights and flexing um, and people saying, hey, I spent this much on this. Um, but with music, you know, people are way more passionate about music, spend actual time listening to it and can listen to it for their entire life. And it elicits an emotional response. And then you also get the the bragging rights too. But then, in addition, you can actually earn money, so it's revenue producing. And that's just the music component. So we can we also have the art component. So whether that's photos or video or animation, uh, there's the visual component that's tied in with the music as part of the same NFT. And then, most importantly, we even have experiences. So artists can sell as a part of the NFT exclusive experiences that are access to the artist. So that can be whatever the artist is willing to do, something simple like a FaceTime call or writing a short song with the fan's name in it or backstage passes at a festival or uh, VIP experiences in front row seats, uh, a meetup, dinner. You know, whatever you can think of, um, access to a celebrity artist is something that is inherently priceless for the super fan. And everyone who loves music, which is pretty much everyone, has at least a handful, if not two or three artists that they're obsessed with and will do anything to meet and spend time with. And those are the ones who will end up bidding up these NFTs to uh, astronomical levels. And the best part about the jam marketplace is that if an NFT is selling for a million dollars or more, uh, or a hundred thousand or some high amount, everyone who's bidding has to buy jam in order to bid. So that actually puts a lot of liquidity and capital into jam itself. And then the artist is paid out in jam and then the the platform itself gets 10% of every transaction. So whether that's a micropayment that's a hundredth of a penny or a million-dollar NFT sale, uh, 10% of that jam is going back to the treasury. And then the owner of the NFT is able to not only enjoy it for themselves but show it off to others and earn money with it and then go redeem that experience. And we have something unique called Drops where it's actually multi-tiered NFTs. So you could have a drop with three different NFTs, 
Uh, you could have one tier could be a one of one uh, with some exclusive experience. Then you could have a ten of ten, and then another which with a hundred of a hundred. And the one of one can be an auction, and the hundred of hundred can be a fixed price. And you can have different tokenomics and dynamics uh, within the music NFT. Um, and so it's really a multimedia experience. Uh, in addition to video or photos, you could even have an ebook NFT. Um, so you can really attach any type of file that you want. Um, but then you can get those streaming royalties. And in addition, you can get uh, residual secondary sale royalties as well. So as the artist, you can set a percentage, um, and you can choose that as the artist, which is unique. Um, of the sale that you would get when that NFT is resold. So after you're finished enjoying it, you can sell it again on the secondary marketplace. It's really the same marketplace, but a secondary sale on the marketplace. Um, and that original uh, artist or content creator will get a percentage of that sale every single time it's resold. So there's incentives to create you know, more, more NFTs for the artists and they, they end up earning not just the first time, but in perpetuity. Yeah. And I think that's actually the biggest part that I like about this is that this system is such based on positive incentives because music is at least to me, and I think to most people, wholly a positive force. Uh, there's not a lot of hate music being made as far as I know. Um, but, uh, it, it, it kind of touches on, there was a, a portion in your white paper on the fourth page of your white paper that I just wanted to read briefly for everybody where it talks about, it kind of talks about this. And then I want to go into how maybe like everything that you're saying is great and that works for celebrity artists, but I'd love to know, I'd love to know, um, it, it's making my brain like really turn with like emerging artists and like, well, what if you only had 50 fans and they're only paying a dollar, but like the positive incentives are still there. We'll get into that in, in one second, but I just wanted to read briefly here to the audience from the white paper of Tune FM. This is a section called Music Deserves More. Music is the stickiest form of media in the world and has a long history of connecting people through a common language. It has the power to change moods, stir emotions, unite communities, and change lives. Many neurological studies elaborate on music's profound effects on the brain and the great power it has within our bodies. Yet, music remains one of the least monetized forms of media compared to photos, text, and video, leaving independent music artists at a major disadvantage in the marketplace. The industry has been held in a chokehold by the current licensing paradigm and the major labels supporting them. Millions of artists around the world are struggling to survive and get their music out to the world to be heard. The current digital music landscape is ripe for disruption and change. By bringing together music discovery and cryptocurrency in one cohesive place, we can create a groundbreaking experience that lifts up artists from around the world and satisfies fans more than ever before. Whoa. Tell your copywriter, whoever did that, that, that uh, that's a great piece of copy um, as a copywriter. I wrote myself. that. Oh, you did. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I have yeah, to. I wrote the, the right paper, no copywriters. <laughs> Perfect. So then I have to congratulate you on that because. Uh, it's a, it's a very good and cohesive piece of writing. So that brings me to the, what I was talking about with positive incentives of, sure, um, if the Red Hot Chili Peppers got on Tune FM, if Kanye, you know, whoever, of course their NFTs would sell, people would stream them, th these would be assets. That, that's kind of like a no-brainer to me. What this really excites me about is like, you know, before Kanye West was Kanye West or before Doja Cat or before, you know, Nirvana or whatever – People are just independent musicians that want to make music. And right now, as far as I can tell, the only real independent places you could go to are like, you know, posting your videos on YouTube, having it on Spotify, having it on these centralized places, and then maybe trying to get people to support you on other platforms like Patreon or whatever they're going to take their cut. But they can't like really invest in you as the artist, um, especially since most people don't have significant capital. And so like, Tell me if I'm right about this, but what you're saying is if I was an artist there and I only had like 50 fans, but I was continually putting out music that people just thought was great, they thought it was fire, um, they could, you know, take one of these music NFTs that I've created, they invest in it, and then maybe, you know, six months, a year down the line, I'm super popular, and that initial... Twenty-five, fifty, hundred-dollar investment is now like one of the most streamed songs. You know, it's like Kanye-level streaming or something like that. And then not only is the artist being helped because they're getting a 
great percentage of the royalties on that. But I can kind of have like the goodwill that I was like the seed investor to an artist. And that's kind of a unique, a uniquely interesting thing uh, to, to have happen in your life. Is that all correct? Did I get that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the problem with the streaming platforms is that they, they still pay artists close to nothing. It ends up being less than 10% of less than half a penny per play. Sometimes they're getting paid out six months to a year later. And so artists make virtually nothing from streaming. You need to have hundreds of millions of streams to break minimum wage and billions of streams to even call it like a major career. And so artists are still making over 80% of the revenue from live shows. And still there's so many service providers there that they get a small cut of that. And so what we're doing is not only are we monetizing regular streaming by cutting out several costly intermediaries and middlemen. So we cut out the middleman and go direct to fan. And because of that, we're able to pay artists 10 to a hundred times more with the streaming. But then in the same place, we're monetizing the super fans uh, with giving them the ability to quote unquote invest in an artist or buy into an artist and actually participate in their upward rise. And so if an artist sort of blows up and you paid X amount for an NFT, a small amount, then you can actually earn, you know, way more as their popularity gains alongside with the artist. And so you can help support that artist's career and grow with them. And, there's many ways that you can sort of support the artists, but right now it's very uh, fragmented. And so there's this concept of like when uh, minnows, dolphins, and whales. So the casual listener is like a minnow, and then somebody who goes to a show maybe buys a T-shirt, it's like a dolphin. And then somebody who would pay thousands of dollars to fly in to meet the artist and and have a, a VIP experience, you know, that's a whale. And so while someone like Kanye could potentially have uh, blockbuster NFTs that go for tens of millions of dollars, um, a smaller independent artist who has maybe a dozen super fans, not millions, um, though they're able to actually make money uh, in a life-changing way. So if a super fan would pay just a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars to get something special from that artist that they love, that they're following very early, you know, that can be life-changing money for a, a starving artist out there who's just getting their start. And, you know, we're, we're trying to do that at every scale. So we're essentially a hybrid platform, not only for independent artists, but also the big licensed artists and everyone in between. And so TuneFM really represents a global catalog around the world. And so what we have now, you, you think Spotify has everything, but it really has a small subset of the content that's out there. Um, it's just what's licensed in the U.S. or your respective jurisdiction for that country that you're in. And so, you know, there's 30 million songs, but it's actually um, a small selection of artists compared to the global catalog of artists and songs where there's, you know, over a hundred million artists around the world. And so when you expanded the global catalog and, you know, some of that's on YouTube, some of it's on SoundCloud and, you know, some of it's on Spotify, but we're putting that all together where because music is a universal language, it doesn't really have borders. Um, we are breaking all of that down, all these sort of uh, geographical siloed content libraries and creating the global library, the global catalog uh, for small, medium, and large artists and everyone in between to be able to monetize their fan base in a way like never before. And so I believe that's going to be revolutionary. And I tend to agree with you there. I, I, what I think is really interesting about Spotify is Spotify has great marketing in that they make it seem like they're this big disruptor, in which in some ways they are, but it wasn't difficult to disrupt the traditional music industry. But what's interesting, and you don't have to take my word for this, anybody can just log into the Spotify app and look in the about details. 
Spotify is directly supported by like all the major music labels. So as you were saying, Andrew, the majority of content on there is just licensed content from the traditional labels that has been essentially digitized. And we know that the um, not all of the musical content or audio content that is available on earth is available on Spotify because there's just no library of Alexandria, you know, for music or audio content um, yet. So, and if you're, you're not, and if you're not able to get on Spotify for whatever reason, licensing requests, or you make too little money or you have a complaint, then it's like you, your source of revenue is going to be dependent on live shows, but there's a huge cost to live shows as you've said even the big players like uh kanye or chili peppers or something like that it's just bureaucracy and management and all sorts of stuff and in some ways you can't blame people for like busking on the street still or playing on youtube or having patreons because it it kind of reminds me of the stand-up comedy model of stand-up comedians get paid very little until you reach this megastar status and then you get netflix specials and things like that but Regular stand-up comedians, and I've seen this myself in my real life, they, they were the ones that were to the forefront of podcasts and audio content and getting people to just give them money directly. And some of them make a very comfortable living, which, you know, is not, not, a, not a grand amount of money to most people, but is perfectly fine for, for doing comedy um, just based on that, based on directly interacting with their, their audience or super fans that they've cultivated. Yeah, and we could even help out the comedians because we support all forms of audio and podcasts and shows. I, I was just about to ask you about that. That was that was going to be the natural segue of, gosh, Tune FM sounds so amazing, but if you were going to say that you didn't support podcasts, you didn't support audio content, I was going to be like, oh, gosh, then somebody needs to make the podcast or, or other content equivalent. Please tell us about the other types of content that will be on Tune FM. Yeah, so, you know, at the end of the day, Tune FM is a multimedia platform, whereas music is just our main vertical. So, just like, you know, there's podcasts on Spotify, there's podcasts on Tune FM. We're actually working with the Chopra Foundation to do podcasts on Tune FM and many others. And so, whether you have a comedy show or podcasts or news or whatever, anything audio, even video, um, you'll be able to have that on Tune FM as well and take advantage of our unique business model. And so one th- comment uh, on Spotify, uh, as you mentioned, while they were disruptive in some sense of the consumer experience side of things uh, with the subscription, and we're not a subscription, uh, we're a totally different business model, uh, but they never disrupted the music industry itself. The supply side basically kept everything the way it is and they make these blanket license deals where 70% of Spotify's subscription and ad revenue goes to pay out the rights holders and publishers uh, so the owners of the masters and the publishing rights and then they end up paying all their people and then they pay the artists last and so the artists are still getting screwed and that's why you still have the starving artists and buskers and everything But we're not only disrupting the consumer experience side, but we're also disrupting the supply side and the industry itself. And so we're totally changing that dynamic with a completely new business model. So artists can come directly to us or they can go through their existing label or management. And not only can they earn more with the streaming and and sell NFTs, but it's a non-exclusive hybrid license where it's just an additional revenue source for them, whereas they will find that over time they're, they're going to earn way more in Jam than they would from other platforms. And so because there's no subscription, you can buy Jam, and it's sort of like buying credits, um, like phone minutes, where they actually roll over. And um, the Jam itself, you know, you can sell it later for more or less, whatever it is. And you can end up earning jam from using the platform. So theoretically you could break even and use the platform for free, or you can be earning jam. If you're helping build the ecosystem and listening to promoted music and curating music and doing all these activities, which help grow the ecosystem. 
or you can be uh, paying out and that jam is going directly to the artist. So depending on how you use the platform, you can be a net debitor or a net creditor um, at the end of the day. So there's no set subscription, which is sort of like an all-you-can-eat buffet or more of like an a la carte restaurant where you get what you want and only what you want. And you, But in addition, you can even earn free things. <laughs> I, 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 the, the all you can eat buffet uh, analogy was funny to me because then I immediately thought about what if there was an all you can eat buffet where the caveat was you can eat all you want, but every so often you have to cook like these French fries. So you have to cook some of the food and you're just like, oh, I, I don't know if I can do that. And they're like, no, nah, man, you just put it in the microwave. It's, it's really easy. And you're like, uh, okay, maybe. Um, so we've got some, some listener questions, uh, coming in here. And one of them was related to being paid out or using the jam token. And so we know that the jam token is uh, part of Hedera, but I think one of the listener questions was a concern where it's like, if I'm a new artist and I'm being paid in jam, crypto is a volatile market. So even though Spotify doesn't pay anything, and even if I might not have a lot of Patreon subscribers, you know, what if I got a lot of jam tokens and then I can't cash out at a certain time because of the volatility of the market. Is there, I guess, there's no way to control that, right? But it's like, how do you view getting paid out in jam um, or, uh, I'm sorry, how do, you view, how do you view getting paid out in jam versus getting paid out in fiat, especially when it's, when it's small amounts? Is it just kind of like, a, you know, you're taking a risk because it's going to be much better in the future or this is just what kind of what it's like to be part of an early adopter? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, and we've done a lot of things, uh, to address that. The first is you're not going to be earning more or less based on the price of jam. You actually earn the same amount on a value basis. So the streaming rate per minute is actually variable based on the price of jam. So if jam is worth less, then you'd be earning more jam per minute, or if jam is worth more, then you'd be earning less jam per minute. And it's actually pegged to a penny per minute. So a five-minute song would earn a nickel. And so you can then either hold your jam, and that's your choice if you want it to appreciate or change in value, or you can cash it out through our fiat on-ramp and off-ramp partners and because, you know, we have a global catalog in hundreds of countries and music, music is a universal language and we have to support more than just U.S. dollars, we, you can cash out to any local currency. So Jam is the global currency for music. And then if you want to, say, buy food in your respective country or pay your you know, family, support your family, then you can cash out using something called Indicoin. Um, to any fiat bank account. And in the U.S., we'll be using Circle. So our fiat on-ramp and off-ramp partner for the U.S. is Circle. And for all the global countries, I think there's about 16 different currencies currently supported um, into coin. And so that feature is um, mostly built but hasn't been launched yet. But the fiat on-ramp and off-ramp is an integral part to our our motto, which is when the music gets played, the artist gets paid. Well, so there you go, listener. Andrew had already thought of that. He's not going to let you down. Um, <laughs> okay, very nice. Actually, it's very cool to hear you explain all that, the variable model. Um, another listener wants to know, so you've talked about creating music NFTs. Is that using tools that are proprietary to the TuneFM platform outside tools or do you have any plans to introduce a, an, a music nft creator to the platform in the future how does that exactly work so actually uh it is a music nft creator um that anyone can use uh, including artists and so artists can sign up and then create their own music nft mint it and then sell it on the marketplace and list it on their profile and so we have a whole experience where artists can design their music NFTs and put everything together and then mint them. Uh, so that's open to everyone. And um, that is launching hopefully soon. Um, it's mostly ready, um, whether it's a few weeks or a month or so. 
this sometime this summer, uh, the music NFTs, the creation and marketplace uh, will be launching. And so that's really exciting and probably the biggest uh, development of the marketplace. Right now we have our Web3 Spotify running with over 10,000 artists and around 100,000 users and half a million transactions and all that good stuff. Uh, but the open sea for music aspect is coming very soon. Very cool. Very cool. So not there yet, but definitely look forward to it in the near future. Okay. I know yeah. things move fast in crypto, but you know, quality things take time. So everybody just buckle your belts and wait. Okay. <laughs> it, it will be out <laughs> yeah, there. Patience. <laughs> patience, please. Um, so we're, kind of coming up on our hour mark here and I don't want to keep you too long but we're going to keep the questions rolling along until then we still have some listener questions that have come in and somebody wants to know how many artists you currently have on Tune FM well I actually just mentioned that in the last one but over 10,000 artists around the world oh gosh I didn't catch that 10,000 okay gotcha gotcha very nice very nice and one of my questions was, so if I was a new artist and I want to like onboard onto Tune FM, is it a complicated process? Is it an easy process? Like, let's just assume that I, I don't have the crypto background that I have and I'm just strictly like a musician. I'm obviously like tech savvy enough to use the internet, have a computer and all that, but like how difficult and what is really the process to onboard onto Tune FM? It's super simple. It's really as easy as signing up for Twitter. Um, you just put in your email and password and we do all the complicated stuff under the hood. So we're creating your Hedera account. We're encrypting your private keys using your password. There's a multi-sig recovery process. You can then just straight up upload your music right away, fill out your profile and you're good to go. Well, there you go. There you go. Once again, Andrew's thought of everything, everyone here. So <laughs> just, you know, Hey, Go, go check it out. Go check it out. I've got another listener question in here that wants to know about, as Andrew said, the music NFT is played with real music files, and uh, which means the quality is much better. But my question is, if there's no compression used in the music files, how do they make sure that the music is played without lagging? So, um, we... Have custody of the master, which is an uncompressed uh, file, very large file. So we have a lot of checkers to do with uh, the uploading and handling of these masters. And then the music is streamed at the highest possible quality for your internet connection. So, you know, 20 kilobytes per second or more a minute. Closer to loss streaming, and so we're going to be have control over that, and so there's no the time you have to wait thirty seconds for a song to start. Uh, oh, giving you the best experience. Gotcha. So a little bit like the the variable uh, experience of how you get paid at in Jam or something else once again i keep defaulting back to andrew has thought of everything yeah. people he's not you know he's not a spring chicken here okay he's got his own tune fm music platform and it seems pretty darn cool if you're gonna ask me <laughs> truly truly and truly innovative i just i love the positive incentive structure about like of people listening to music they get rewarded for listening to music but then the artist gets compensated and then since it's built on hedera it it's totally doesn't have to rely on a whole bunch of these other crazy systems or the reliance models so this is my favorite part about doing the amas and talking to people is just getting it directly from the source being able to ask whatever questions i want to ask having people ask questions like this and just it's like you know it's like being in college again but you're actually paying attention so (laughs) (laughs) so we're gonna we're gonna be winding up here uh we've got two more questions and they're gonna be from me here okay thank you for the audience questions we were able to sift through some and get a lot of good ones there that Andrew, I think, enjoyed answering. So one of my last ones here is 
Could you tell us a little bit more about your team and their background? Because anybody who's going to put together something as ambitious as this and that is you know, as robust as this and has the foundation and you know, we keep hitting you with questions and you have an answer to everything. And I like the answers, right? They're not just like, they're very innovative um, answers that have been well thought out about like, oh, what would happen in this situation? And of course, this is, this would be the natural incentive for the artist, but that would still keep the platform running. What is, you know, what is the background of, of your team and, and who's working on Tune FM? So we're fortunate to have some of the best uh, engineers and best talent in the world. Um, our CTO, Daniel Nordberg, is one of the top developers that I've ever come across, and I've worked with thousands of developers across my whole career. I'm running a software agency and doing work with clients like Comcast, Bank of America, and EY, and he's probably the best of the best. You know, 100x uh, developer has managed large enterprise systems. We also have one of the top security experts in the world, uh, James Pick. He's from he's based in Paris, and he actually maintains um, a lot of the most used Python libraries used by Fortune 10 corporations. And he's in charge of security and has audited every last thing, so there's no vulnerabilities or holes. And um, he's actually the top answer on Stack Overflow for Django. And uh, we also have one of the most talented developers, uh, Mustafa, who is building our NFT marketplace. And he was the youngest hire at Microsoft and has built some really impressive things at a very young age and uh, true crypto native and understands these things inside and out. And we also have a, a much larger team, about eight to 10 developers um, who are cranking away and, and really building amazing things. And my brother and I are co-founders and we have some other people helping out, uh, with marketing. And, um, I went to Brown university and started the first startup incubator there now called B labs. And so I've been in technology basically my entire life. Um, but I'm also a musician. So I was classically trained violinist starting when I was four years old and uh, I won a bunch of competitions and toured the world playing music. And so I understand the, the musician's plight and things from the artist's perspective and as an artist myself. Um, but I'm also a designer as well. Um, so I'm sort of putting together a lot of these different skills. Um, my brother went to Penn. He's also a music producer and has recorded a bunch and been in the space as well. And so, you know, our team is very strong and we're able to actually execute on this vision, which is uh, undoubtedly large. Um, but we have a very ambitious plan uh, to disrupt an incumbent industry that's been around for over a century. Yeah, I'll say. And uh, I had um, forgotten in my research that you, uh, your brother was a co-founder. So I'm, I'm going to have to interject right here. And it put a little pre-question to my last question, although we're naturally segueing here toward the end beautifully. Uh, so I love my brother. Uh, I get along with him fabulously. I also just only – I don't know how big your family is, but I only have a brother. And yeah. I uh, – so it's just you and your brother, same as me? Yeah, I also have a half-brother, half-sister, but I've, I've one uh, full brother. He's a year older. Okay, perfect. Oh, okay, so you're in my – I'm a year older than my brother. Anyways – um, so I love my brother. I, I feel very fortunate that I get along with him. We don't always share eye to eye on things, but he'll always be one of my best friends. It hurts my heart when people say that they don't get along with their family or that they don't get along with their siblings. But I have, I have to ask you this. My brother and I have talked many times about if we were to co-found, do something together, whether it be a restaurant, business, whatever. And we've always kind of come to the conclusion that, yeah, it would probably work out, but at the same time, uh, we don't want to risk at all uh, stretching our our brotherhood to the limit by adding stress to it from an outside source. And so I just have to ask you briefly, not to pry into your private life or anything like that, but has it been challenging um, or kind of crazy co-founding such an ambitious and interesting project with your brother? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, probably takes a longer answer than the time we have. <clears throat> but um, 
it's funny. We actually both decided to start music tech companies around the same time, totally without talking to each other about it. And uh, we're going down this path, and we're both in college, so we weren't together. Um, and then we met up for like the holidays, and we're both talking about, oh, I'm doing this like music social network. And he's like, oh, I'm doing this music marketplace. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And um, I was at that point, we just both sort of realized that like we should not be going at it alone. That if we're, we have a vision to build a startup, um, in the same vein, then we should join forces and put together all of our ideas and build something way bigger. And so that's what we decided to do. And we've been, you know, working on things together our whole lives. And, you know, whether it's like some sort of uh, art project or some kind of thing or whatever, anything creative. So we're used to working with each other and we're very close. So in that sense, uh, it seemed like a natural fit. And of course, you know, we don't always see eye to eye and, you know, we can disagree on things. But I think at the end of the day, uh, we both have the understanding that that makes it stronger and that um, it's good to not have tunnel vision to be able to bounce something off of somebody and have a more of a diversity of opinion on things and, you know, it's it really just lends to our strength is the ability to have sort of both sides and um, really take a deeper look into things um, that you might take for granted otherwise. So um, while there's a risk of family businesses um, having issues, I, I think that usually happens more when you have an older and younger generation fighting each other. Um, whereas we're more sort of like brothers on the same page and well, we could disagree on some of the details. Uh, we are in full agreement on the overall long-term vision. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's, that's very good to hear then. I just, I, I always think about that cause my brother and I have joked about that so many times about like how we really should team up to do something, but at the same time, we're just like, mm. I don't know, on one hand, money and success, and then on the other hand, brotherhood, which cannot be bought. So I think we've yeah. chosen brotherhood for now. <laughs> so, well, it's not mutually exclusive, but I hear you. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it is not mutually exclusive for you. Maybe In many one- ways, it keeps us together uh, where we might be off doing our own thing, but we're constantly you know, talking and together. So in a way, it's like a glue. Yes, it is uh, mutually beneficial in the truest sense of the word. So, Andrew, our last question here will be, we've perfectly segued into the last question. Um, you can go on as long as you want because we've kind of reached the end of our time here. And then I'll do some housekeeping to just end our conversation. But I'm really glad that this is the, the last uh, question that we have. So you've talked so much about Tune FM, about the positive incentive system. You're coming out with music NFTs, and I think from all that we've heard in this conversation, they're going to be popular on Tune FM. You talked about the Jam Token. You've talked about why you're using Hedera. You talked about how you understand that the the model on Spotify or streaming services, even YouTube, is is broken. It doesn't really work for artists, and that when you merge crypto and this unique ecosystem that you've created, it's going to be better. So I have to ask. What will success look like for Tune FM one year down the road, five years down the road? I know that you mentioned that you've built this system to last, you know, I think you said 100 years, right? You said infinite, <laughs> infinite, basically. So that's why I'm asking this open-ended question of what will success look like for Tune FM in your eyes on whatever time horizon you choose? Yeah, well, I want to create something that will last well beyond me. Um, but as far as the next one, five, ten years down the road, um, we're really climbing a mountain here, and um, we're biting off uh, something big. And so disrupting an incumbent industry that has been around for you know, over a hundred years and worth 80 billion plus dollars is no easy task. So it doesn't happen all at once, um, just bit by bit. Um, but at the same time, we are working with some, you know, magic secret sauce 
And we know that we have all the right technology in place and the right business model to actually disrupt the music industry and create something that's actually well beyond Spotify and what you see out there. So at the end of the day, you have to create an experience that's better, uh, not just for fans, but also for artists and for everyone involved. And so the next year is going to be very exciting. We have the Music NFT Marketplace launching. We have a bunch of celebrity artists lined up. Um, we're going to have some serious blockbuster uh, events and, you know, with these NFT drops with some major names. So we're really going to put ourselves on the map. And the goal is to become a household name as soon as possible. Like everyone knows Spotify, but you know, five, 10 years ago, nobody knew what Spotify was. So we're going to do that. And then slowly, but surely or quickly, really, uh, we will be, getting all of the artists around the world, not just, you know, the entire catalog that's only on Spotify, but the whole global catalog to start having their music up on tune FM and streaming and doing music NFTs. And there'll be a constant drip of, uh, music NFT drops coming down the line. And so there'll always be something exciting happening at tune FM, something exclusive and new and something you can't get anywhere else. And then we're also building a music metaverse. So it's like a music festival in the metaverse with NFT ticketing and NFT art and visualization and live streaming and social audio and DJ rooms and all the above. A lot of cool stuff. And um, so there's a lot of cool features coming down the line, a lot of big celebrities coming down the line. And then, of course, you know, the Jam token is already listed on a dozen exchanges, but there's a few more really big ones, uh, which we will be listing on soon. And so hoping to see some fireworks in the Jam category. And, um, yeah, I mean, five years down the road, I'd like to be, you know, the dominant player in the music industry, the go-to streaming app. Uh, for everything music and audio and video and, and multimedia. And 10 years down the road, you know, we want to be essentially a decentralized media company um, in which it's the place you go for all forms of entertainment and um, really the, the de facto source of all things fun and interesting. So I know that's a very broad vision, but we're, um, we're trekking up the mountain and we're moving mountains and uh, hopefully going to make something that is here to last. No, I think that that's a great answer. I'm just more so kicking myself a little bit here that we didn't get to talk about music in the metaverse because that's, you know, everything is metaverse now, metaverse, metaverse, metaverse. And I actually used to work for <laughs> a, a metaverse startup before I came here to work at a Bitmart. So I've even been at the, the early stuff there, but Hey, you only have so much time in the world, and uh, I could talk to you all day, but unfortunately, if I did, Bitmart would fire me, and then there would be no more. <laughs> so so uh, everyone, I've been talking to Andrew Antar of Tune FM. It's been a truly fascinating conversation. Andrew's trying to basically take over the world. That's all you need to know uh, with, <laughs> audio, with audio content, with the Jam Token, using the Hedera network, in case you, you know we went deep into that, in case you're new to Hedera like I was. Um, so it's, it's, I don't have, you know, enough good things to, to say about it. I'm very interested and I will probably be tuning in more often than not. Some quick housekeeping as we end the conversation here. And before I say goodbye to Andrew, I want to remind you that because you're listening to this AMA, you're part of an exclusive group of listeners who want to know information before everybody else. You want to be up to date on the latest crypto news. And you just want to know about all the good things that are happening in crypto land. And so we are giving away $1,000 worth of jam, and all that you have to do in order to get that is find the tweet where you found this Spaces link, retweet it, tag three friends, go ahead and follow TuneFM's Twitter account, show them some love, and that is at TuneFMOfficial. Take a screenshot and complete the Google form that we have attached to our giveaway, and you will be 
off to the races to win some of that jam token. And why wouldn't you want to after hearing Andrew talk about it? You can win some of it, then you can go buy some of a Bitmart, then you can go use Tune FM. It's, I mean, it's the perfect, uh, it's the perfect system. So. <laughs> I've been speaking to Andrew Antar of Tune FM. It has been a fascinating conversation. I really, really enjoyed talking to him. I just love learning about this stuff. Sometime in the future, Andrew, our clo- my closing statement here is, I love doing these AMAs because you never know who's going to blow up and just go past the stratosphere and who's going to do well and who's going to say, ah, it wasn't for me, and they stopped their project even though it was so promising. I always hope that all of my guests blown to the stratosphere so that five years from now I can be at some place and be like, hey, you remember when um, not a lot of people knew who you were and there was this guy named Nathan and he interviewed you on a Twitter spaces? And they'll, be, they'll either be like, no, I don't remember that. It'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you were like one of the, the first people that we talked to. So um, I don't know. There's, just, there's so many formational projects that that may happen to with me or – it, it may be, uh, it may be that I fade into obscurity, but I wish everyone at Tune FM and Andrew success on this project. I really, really like it. I think it has a lot of positive attributes, and I will say goodbye and thank you so much for being part of this AMA, Andrew. Yeah, thank you so much for the interview. Appreciate it. And since we have nothing left to discuss here, I will say goodbye to everybody out there in crypto land. Hey, Nathan here from BitMart. Hope you liked that conversation. I know that I always do. It's great learning more about crypto and kind of putting a face behind all the technical jargon. But that's not the last thing we have to do. We've got to get some legal stuff out of the way. And so here it goes. All opinions and actions expressed and undertaken by the hosts and guests are individual opinions and actions and do not reflect the views and actions of BitMart. BitMart does not guarantee the accuracy, applicability, reliability, integrity, performance, completeness, or appropriateness of this content. The value of digital currencies can go up or down, and there can be a substantial risk in buying, selling, holding, or investing in digital currencies. You should carefully consider whether trading or holding digital currencies is suitable for you based on your personal investment objectives, financial circumstances, and risk tolerance. BitMart does not provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Use of BitMart services is entirely at your own risk.